Tim, mm-hmm. we got to recap week three of the NFL schedule. We got to look ahead to week four. Mm-hmm. I got to give you time to gloat about hashtag Coach Prime. So, whatever, we'll get to that. Uh, I'm gonna give some Meg. I'm gonna give some flowers to Meg Rapino. Okay, she's calling it a career, and what a hell of a career it's been in our week in our cups this week. And one of these days, when we get back on it, I swear I'll stop <laughs> fucking this up. But in our cups this week, it's a whiskey from Indiana. And as you can see, I got the I got the bingo shirt on. Okay, I got the angry chair because I got the adjunct stout from Angry Chair. Wow. Woo! Uh, so uh, fucking tired. I'm tired of you showing me up, Tim. And I had to go into the reserves. Shout out Freebie Friday. Nice. Let's go. So uh, for anybody, uh, I mean, we obviously didn't record for a little while. Sam uh, had bragged about his illustrious trip to Angry Chair, which I have been singing. The praises of for a, a while, uh, and then he proceeded to tell me that all he got was a bunch of loggers and, and like an IPA or something like that, and that's not what they're hey, known for. Shout out, so. shout out! They, they did a good job. Anyways, Tim, you know that these folks can find Angry Chair beer anywhere in Tampa, Florida. They can follow us on Instagram at Stats to Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast. And I'm still gonna I'm gonna call it Twitter. I'm gonna call it Twitter forever until Twitter realizes that this is like this 2008 Chris, you know, uh, not Chris Rock, 2008, like uh, Garth Brooks, where he's like, you know, d- does his little concept album. Until Twitter figures it out, we're, we're, we're calling it Twitter. Yeah. All things beer and sports. That's the podcast. That's why you come here. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Set your Apple, Spotify, Google, Tim. Let's get into the show. Uh, as long as X continues to send me its email notifications that that are labeled x formerly known as twitter i will continue to call yeah. it twitter because it's yeah. been a while now and i think everybody knows at this point and you're i don't i don't know what we're doing here what are, what are we trying to do so yeah oh beautiful 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 right. well yeah uh, tim mm-hmm. listeners don't know this but uh in india where the majority of our listeners uh are downloaded from it's your birthday okay yeah because Right, it's in the future. So, yeah. happy birthday to you, Tim! By the time this, this comes out, you'll be another year older. So, thank you. I mean, are you are you retirement eligible yet? Are we are we there? I'm yet? getting you cl- be close. I'm getting close. As of tomorrow, uh, my birthday will no longer start with a three. So, it's a pretty big step. <laughs> it's a pretty big step. Hey, hey, I, I put it on the the Facebooks today, which has not changed its name, mm-hmm. uh, except from the Facebook to Facebook. Uh, I I slept wrong last night. Well, technically, it's called up Meta. Well, that's, that's that's the parent company. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, Tim, I'm so old. I slept wrong, and like my lower lower left quadrant of my back is just fucking screaming today. Yeah, my wife and I, I can't I, even like my wife and I keep talking about getting a new mattress because I'll just wake up and feel like I did deadlifts the night before, and I had, I had been saying it forever, and she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't feeling it. She's like, no, 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 I like it. I was like, okay, all right, and then bam. She woke up one morning and was like, oh, my God, my back hurts. I'm like, I, I, I told you. I told you this. I told you. So <laughs> I'm in the era of, yeah. uh, of moving incorrectly and, like, pulling a muscle for, for four weeks. Uh, I yeah. was at the beach uh, in Agonquit this summer, and we were playing. Uh, what's the – I'm really going to sound old here. Oh, spike ball. Mm-hmm. We're playing spike ball, and someone hey, hit it. Dude, you ain't got no business playing spike ball. We're too old for that. I hit it, and you the ball, left and right. And, and the worst part is, like getting in and playing wasn't too bad, but someone hit the ball and it took off running, and I sprinted down the beach 
Baywatch style and trying to capture this ball. And did you tear your Achilles? Like I'm, I'm pretty sure like I pulled Aaron a muscle Rodgers. in my calf. <laughs> this was three months. Like I literally had to stop playing. I'm like, oh my god, my my calf was really sore. I can't walk right. And to this day, it is still it is still sore, folks. It's 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 October in a couple of days. Uh, my vacation was months ago. I'm that. I'm yeah, that. It I'm happens. That, I'm man. that many years old. Yeah, forty tomorrow. All right, well, let's. Yeah, that's good for you, man. <sighs> yeah. Lived a great life. I did. So give us another forty years. Why I don't did. you? Um. All right. Since since you are the birthday boy, go ahead. What's in your cup, man? Right. What, what you got going on? Uh, I'm sidecarding today, also. Uh, and shout out to uh the long drink. Have you ever had these before? No. Yeah. So it's like this Finnish company. They're the blue ones. I think are the original ones. Um, but they're like gin cocktail drinks that uh originally started distributing. I think like in small places around New York and Miles Teller ended up coming across mm-hmm. them and was like, these are incredible. Uh, how can we get them out West? So he started organizing and paying for the distribution for them out West at uh, his wedding. The DJ that was there was like, these are also amazing. So he got involved. And now there was one other, I want to say celebrity that was part of the, uh, part of the group but miles teller is one of the big like partners of it now uh and they are very very good i don't i don't do a lot of the seltzer e cocktail can drinks all that often i like to have them in the fridge just for when you're like looking for something refreshing you know and uh this one i happened to pull out as i was getting ready for uh as I was getting ready for the the pot tonight, so this is the cranberry one, which is which is really really good. Um, the original is just as good, but oh, uh, it's Ricky Fowler is the other one. That's the sport. Oh, that was the that? sports tie, and I couldn't figure. Out, I, I remember reading the article about it, but um, it's Miles Teller, the actor. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, the guy who mm-hmm. plays uh, the main character in Top Gun Maverick, in case of the one Iraq. Um, the PGA golfer Ricky Fowler, and then uh, a DJ that's DJ Kygo. I don't know if I know him, but I'm also old. But uh, it's not DJ Kygo; it's just Kygo. Well, the the website has him listed as DJ Kygo. What? I, yeah. I'm going to the and and, and he also DJed Miles Teller's wedding. <laughs> uh, but in any event, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm reviewing. That is very good. Get it. Throw it in your fridge. It's great for anybody who. May not be the biggest beer fan. Uh, they're super easy to drink. I'm not a big gin fan. They don't overly taste like drink. Uh, uh, like gin. Uh, mm. Maybe we love gin. Maybe we start a separate category for like seltzers and and such. Uh, and, and and rate some of those. Uh, I'll I'll give this one a uh, a three nine. <laughs> oh, three nine. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. So the whiskey I'm drinking uh, is called Stellum. And it's from, uh, or it's, it's Vega from Stellum. And it's another single, bur- uh, single barrel bourbon. It's another store pick from the wine and liquor warehouse uh, near my house. I actually helped pick this bottle. Um, and I opened it when I first got it. And then it sat kind of in my spillover space for about the last nine months. And I was like, oh. I should probably bring this back out when I stop by the store again. 
So we're gonna. Mm -hmm. I've I've almost forgotten what the flavor profile of this one was. I've done a bunch of these with them now, and I've had a bunch of whiskey since then. So even though I've opened it, it's gonna be kind of a, a new visit and a nice aired out bottle, which sometimes will help either negatively or positively influence the flavor of the whiskey. So uh yeah this one's interesting it's, it's distilled in indiana and then it gets bottled down in uh louisville so it's 118.56 proof so it's a big boy um but it smells sweet without uh like right off the bat i can definitely tell it's it's changed a little bit in this bottle since i first got it it tasted like young um it tasted like it hadn't aged long enough when i first when i first opened it but um i know there it's one of those brands that's that kind of on the rise you see it popping up a little bit more and more uh it says stellum spirits is driven by progress critical thinking and above all attention to detail we're devoted to bringing american whiskey to the modern ages elegant blends and single barrel selects so most of what they focus on is either single barrels or blends. Um, but I don't know. It doesn't say on there how old it is. It doesn't smell out of the cup. It doesn't smell as sweet as it does out of the bottle. Uh, smells very like ethanol y, which is a little worrisome. <laughs> like, <laughs> granted, I am using this small little sampling glass. From Norfolk Brewing. This is pretty cool for for those who can't see it. It looks like a little mini tumbler. Or uh what, what were they called? These goblets? No. Uh tulips. Like tulips. No. Yeah, tulips. Uh no, tulips. Like mini tulips. tulips are the ones that are the like square ones, right? Or not the square ones, but they come down to Those are Tikus. Those are Tikus? Okay. Then uh Yeah, Tikus. Anyway. All right. There's not. There is not a, a as much of a bite that I thought it was going to have based off of the smell. You get a lot of that. Uh, you get a lot of ethanol when you first smell it, and you think it's going to be a pretty big punch in the mouth. But it's it's actually relatively it's actually relatively mild. Um, you can definitely taste the wood. In this one so if you're if you're a whiskey fan or bourbon fan who leans more towards that sort of oaky cedar uh type notes like that's very forward on this one like it's almost like this is gonna be a bad description you're gonna think it, it's a bad tasting whiskey but it's almost like i i just licked a plank of wood i mean i wouldn't blank <laughs> but uh just, i don't know that's i don't know i don't know that's what you want but uh but uh On the back end, it's got like a, a nice little sweetness to it. It's like more of a like a caramel or like a touch of brown sugar with like I I hate when people describe these as like a like a fruity because I don't taste any fruit in in any of this so any whiskey I've ever had. I'm never gonna be like oh it tastes like but I would say like um. Maybe like a raisin or prune type flavor you get a little bit of, mm -hmm. which is actually really, really yep. nice. I I like it a lot. I think it, this is probably one I'd want to 
uh i probably want to use this one maybe in like a on on the rocks or or with a maybe in a cocktail or something like that it does have a little bit of a bite um compared to a lot of the other 118 or 120 proof whiskeys that i have i have a 1792 store pick from the same place that uh has no bite um but this is uh it's good um not not my favorite of the store picks we've had so far I would say it's definitely better than a lot of your $40, $50 bottles, which I think the price range for this one is probably in like the $50, $60 range. I would say it's, it's, if you see a Vega out there, it's worth trying. Obviously, it's going it, to, if they're focused more on their store picks, it's going to be a little bit different than this one. But it's definitely one I would add maybe to the collection is something more on the shareable side. Um, if you're mm-hmm. looking for store picks, something you're not going to be sad that you, you've poured out, but, or you've not poured out, but you've shared. The more it sits in the glass, the the more like sweeter it gets. But I think the problem is my glass that I'm using, because it could be it's a very small opening and it's just funneling all of the aroma straight into your face when you take a sip. So uh, I'm probably not doing this one any favors. But I'm gonna give this one like a six four. Ooh, yeah, out of ten, out of ten, yeah. It's uh, God damn, did I'm God damn Tim trying to be honest here? I'm trying to be good. Sheesh. It's it's a it's a Sheesh. it's a decent whiskey. Um it's a little bit more like I don't I don't it doesn't indicate anywhere on here what it uses for its its barrels, but it's very like oak cedar forward. Like it's it it tastes very much like wood uh for a lot of the the first ride when you take that sip. So yeah, very good. Um I'm going to try it with a couple cocktails and, and maybe on the rocks to see if we can kind of mellow it out a little bit, but it's got the, the wood front and that bite on the back end. It's it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. It's got some spice to it. It reminds me a lot of a rye almost, but without being classified as a rye. And a rye is not my favorite. So, All right. Well, now that I've gotten that dissertation for <laughs> not a good whiskey. Um <laughs> I got this adjunct trail here. It's an Imperial Sweet Stout Angry Chair Brewing. Mm. It's a collaboration with our friends at Prairie Artisan Nails, bitch, uh, which is why we put a little chair on a prairie. Just makes sense, right? Back in the day when people sat on chairs and prairies, we're pretty sure they didn't have hazelnut coffee. It's 2023 now. That's a thing. We decided to put some of that in this Imperial Sweet Stout. We also put in some toasted coconut. Again, not sure if you could find those things in a prairie back then, but we didn't feel like fact-checking. Lastly, just... The right amount of anger has been added. Drink fresh with your pals. Let's go. Oh, it smells incredible. This smells incredible. Holy crap. So, if you ever had anything by Prairie, I mean, they're a really good brewery anyways. They they do barrel aging really well. They're probably one of the premier uh, barrel aging breweries in, in the United States. But, dude... Now that I have seen the chair, okay. Now, now that I have been to Nirvana, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that there is a a better adjunct barrel brewery uh, in America. I don't think that there is. I this there's no way that this is toasted coconut. It's got hazelnut in there. It's almost got like a peanut buttery quality to it, just a little bit. Yeah. But as a sweet stout, it's so so drinkable. You would expect that if you have that much in a beer, you're just gonna be choking it down. It's gonna be like. Drinking a glass of fudge. This is incredible. This is really, really incredible. Uh, I'm going to give this 
This is this is getting a four eight for me. Out out the gate. <laughs> this is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Uh the only thing I do not I, I mean if I was gonna be petty, I'd be like, the only thing that's gonna stop me from giving it a five is I can't tell what the ABV is, but I know I'm getting fucked up by drinking this thing. I just <laughs> I just know it. I just know it. Okay. They're usually, and yes, usually Tim, pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I did go to uh, Angry Chair, and I did get an IPA because you know what? I wanted to see if they were good. And to be honest, best in Florida, no, serviceable, absolutely. Loggers didn't expect they would be decent, serviceable, absolutely. But yes, go to Angry Chair Brewing and get the stouts. Yeah, learn the lesson. Yeah, yeah, learn the lesson. Let's let's get into some sports here since we've been talking alcohol. And uh, if anybody's listening closely, do not report us. You know what I mean? This is a podcast for the people, uh, and the people like to hear about these things. So. Get over it. Um, I, I'm just going to give you time up front. Just go ahead and just do your hashtag Coach Prime. Just gloat it out. You know what I mean? I, 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 we need to get through this so we can, we can okay. be together as a podcast. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll keep it relatively quick because I was literally in everybody's comment section. Um, it's like, John, I mean, stacks on, uh, on Instagram. Uh, literally everybody. Ryan Clark. I was in the comment section. Of everyone just engaging, not not being uh, not being argumentative, but just trying to understand where everyone's take was. Because here we have a team that everyone's been riding high on that went up against a actual ranked quality team who's only ranked tenth in the in the league. By the way, they're they're not even the highest ranked team that they're going to face this year, right? And, yeah, and they got smoked, and the score of that game doesn't even paint the full picture of what that actually looked like. Uh, the only score came from Colorado came in like garbage time. Uh, they left starters in for most of the, the third quarter and, and into the fourth quarter. But again, the narrative always shifts and becomes something more than what it's, what it actually is. So in the beginning of uh, before the game, the camera crew asked Oregon if they could be in the room for his speech. And he said, yeah, yeah, you can be in the room. That's whatever. And he delivered a speech that said, listen, we are here for substance first. We're here for wins. They're here for clicks. They're here for Hollywood. Whatever. It, sudden, it got spun so bad afterwards that, like, Everyone was picking him apart. I heard some people saying that it was racist. Like, I don't even understand because his team is made up of like 80% African-American athletes. So I don't know how that fits. But to say that, and nobody's, the thing that gets lost in a lot of these conversations is everybody is, is taking it as if he is calling out the coach specifically. At no point did he say Deion Sanders is Hollywood. Did he say there that he is doing this for clicks? Did he say anything Along those lines, it was they, they, they. And I'm sorry, you cannot tell me that a large portion of that team is riding off of the media success and is motivated by more of that than they are the actual product of the game. That's why you're seeing watches getting flashed around. These guys are on podcasts talking about their phantoms at home and the crazy cars that they have. The sidelines was like the BET Awards. Uh, mixed with, I don't know, like the MTV Movie Awards. It was, you had The Rock, you had Rap Arts, you had everybody there, like, hyping up the crowd. It had the feel of, like, a, I don't even know, like a Saints game. Uh, or, like, 
the amount of celebrity sideline guests that they had was just outrageous. Um, now, you can say Coach Prime wasn't the instigator of any of that. That's just their teams being themselves and whatever. Yeah, but you also have a say in who's allowed on your sideline and who isn't allowed on your sideline. So you could say, hey, listen, I don't feel comfortable with this. No, you're there. You're riding on the hype because, you know, every one of these moments is a free moment for recruiting. You know, this is an attempt to bring in additional folks uh, going in the next season because he keeps, you know, everyone keeps reiterating. He's, you know, he, he's already come out and said he doesn't have the team now. He's like five new players away from having a, a stellar team. All of these things. But to say that the Oregon coach was being racist by, in any capacity because he said he was, he was being Hollywood, it's because that's all it is. And, and the other thing that was really hard not to notice, how many fucking commercials that aired during that game that starred <laughs> Deion Sanders. So you, ah, I mean, you but can't tell me he's not on. capitalizing it. And part of that capitalizing it, I mean, you're going to help continue to drive the conversation on a social media level, on a public media level, because now it's making money for you. It's making funny. It's making money for your kids. He had on his own podcast. He had his son. He had Tom Brady on. He had all of these. He has access to all these uh, athletes who are coming on, which is which is great. No one's. No one's going to fault him for, for exercising the resources he has for his kid. But to say that that team is not out there driving more of the social media engagement than most other teams that are on there, or they're not riding the media train, is just, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. You don't see Oregon players out there uh, pregame flashing watches in front of the opposing players. You don't see them discussing the kind of cars well, you have you don't see celebrities and rap artists and r&b artists and musicians up on the sidelines saying they're hyping up your crowd during the game like it's a concert like you just don't see a lot of that and it, i'm not saying it's wrong but in two weeks you had two different coaches who had comments about the way the other team carries themselves one of them was directed more at Deion sanders so it, it just paints a bigger picture of what the perception of this team is, and it has nothing to do with the colors of the... I mean, I don't know if anyone's looked at the the NCAA landscape, but it's not exactly whitewashed. It's made up of majority African-American players in college football. So my my only concern is the the constant twisting and turning of the conversations to make it more about a social conversation than it actually is he's not the first uh african american coach in college football he's not the first coach to take over a program and start having success with it he is a coach that's been hyped up that actually met quality teams and got his shit pushed in yeah, yeah, he's that's that's accurate, and that's also happened before. So none of this is any not any of this. It has nothing to do with him paving the way. It has nothing to do, and I already talked about how I felt in terms of the public view on how he's turning yeah, this, that. This is your around. gloat. This so, is your gloat, not I'm, your I, yeah, not your. I'm not, uh, I'm not rehashing. Not your lecture. Yeah, I'm not rehashing any of that. But that still stands. If anything else, now you're telling the kids on your team that. They're not good enough to win games, and you're going to replace them with five high, 
better, higher profile recruits to come in, which nobody seems to be blinking an eye at. Uh, so there, there are lots of things that this team does that are 100% driven by fame, money, attention, all of that stuff. To say that they're not is just ignorant and wrong, right? And if another team's going to call them out on it, they need to be able to own that and understand it, especially if your kids are out shit-talking the other team before the game starts, right? If you're his son and you're out flashing your watch in front yes. of the opposing player... Yes. You need well, no. To- there was also there was also players that were you know talking a lot of uh, a lot of guff to him, and they were saying like we're gonna eat your soul, and then their souls got you know demolished. Anyway, so that's my my point is like there there are things purposely being done to garner and increase attention on a larger scale than just what's happening between the two teams on the football field. So if a team is going to call you out on that or use that for motivation in their locker room, tough shit. It is what it is. It is what it is. Like teams are going to find something to help motivate their team. Oregon clearly came out with not only a better game plan, but they understood that they have a much, much better team. Now their quarterback is like 40 years old and has the most you know, tenure of any <laughs> current active quarterback. He actually played against, was it Justin Herbert, I think, at one point. And Justin mm-hmm. Herbert's been in the league for four years. So, like, <laughs> he's been around the block a little bit. He's really good. But it just fully exposed. You can say they didn't have their best uh, two-way player. Their best wide receiver is also their best defensive player. It's not a really good way to make up a college team. But... You can make an argument that maybe it would have looked a little different. That player is not changing the outcome of the game. They just they got their shit pushed in. And unfortunately, yeah. as these teams get better and better and later in the season, they develop more they get more tape on what Colorado looks like and what they can scheme against. Colorado, I expect to get a little better also. But if they go up against like a, a four or a two, I mean, we're looking at like Dolphins, Broncos numbers easily. Well, don't worry. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Listen, Tim, of course, of course, Oregon was going to not do it Hollywood, okay? As a UW fan, all right, and as someone who believes the Pac-12 should have just stayed together and worked it out and not got divorced, uh, do it for the kids, hashtag. Um, I'm not going to listen to a whole whole bunch of guys from Oregon going, "They're, they're playing for clicks. We're playing for wins. Nike literally gives them a different uniform every fucking week, okay? <laughs> they, they don't get NIL deals because they don't need it. They had the original NIL deal, which is Nike swag out to Wazoo, okay? So, But that is yes. not, that's not the way to, same. Way to go, Tim. You, Nike, you were Nike, correct. Just, you were just, correct, Just Tim. to be clear, swag and uniforms and shit you get to take home is not the same as getting a million dollars and uh, a Maybach. Can we agree on that? Well. Like, I well, can I walk out with all my cool-looking... NIL. I can walk... What do you mean? That's exactly what Shakur Stevenson has. I'm not Shakur. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. Is it Shakur? Yeah, yeah, but but I, I'm sure it's. I'm Shakur, I'm sure Shakur Stevenson I'm, has it because I'm he's sh- a professional boxer. <laughs> 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 let's let's put this one to rest, Tim. You yeah. were right. I was wrong. God damn it. Okay. All right. Uh, but if you go back and listen to the listen to the tape, I actually said I was I was I was worried they were going to get shut up by Oregon. So you know I was right too. Anyways, Tim, uh-huh. let's 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 get to the fun part of this podcast yep. episode. Uh. The part where your boy came through with two picks again this week, and you 
fell on your face, sort of like hashtag Colorado did against Oregon. So, quack, quack, I'll let you recap the only dub that you got, which when you look back at all these games, you should have gotten correct. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was hoping this one was going to be a bit more of like a, a get-right game, come out and and maybe show what your offense can do. It was another defensive showing, and unfortunately that's because the weather was just completely dog shit uh, the whole time. It was wet, it was rainy, uh, it was on the cooler side. Uh, so it was just, you know, old school sloppy football. Uh, I was actually, I got a little nervous that we were going to find a way to give this one up when uh, New York came back and scored in the seventh, but uh, in the seventh, they scored seven points in the fourth until we had the safety on Zach Wilson. And that is just kind of how that whole situation, I think, is going to continue to go for the, the Jets. I'm not as down on Zach Wilson as I think the the rest of the league and everybody in the media might be. Their offensive line is complete trash. So, talked a little bit about last week. The game plan that they were going to come into the season with was all around a Hall of Fame quarterback and someone who's capable of doing some miraculous things. And now you have a guy who was originally a starter, who then got benched, uh, who started behind this all-star player who did not have uh, an entire preseason of reps that were put in place for him, now required to come slide in and uh, take over a team. And that is a tough ask for anybody. We saw it with Sanchez and Tim Tebow and, and that debacle also on the same team. So that offensive line is just, Terrible at protection. He's constantly under pressure. They don't trust him to throw the ball. So it's just a recipe for disaster. They they got to move on from him in order to do anything. But I don't think replacing the quarterback is going to fix that team. They have too many holes that they need to fix in order to do it. But, uh, I mean, he had more completions than Mac Jones did on, uh, on Sunday, which is a little interesting. He, but he finished with... Uh, I mean, he had 10 more attempts and finished with 50 yards less. So it wasn't exactly a, a stellar outing. Mac Jones, I think he had another solid outing given... Who? Oh, my God. Every time. Every Mac time. Jones, I, Jones. I hate you a little more every time you do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, this one we knew was going to be a game that was going to be handled mostly on the ground uh, going into this. And... Finally, Elliott seemed to turn around. He had 80 yards on the day. Uh, Monday, Stevenson, he got going fine. Uh, you know, we had that one-two punch that they could go back and forth with, and it was designed just to eat up time on the clock to get through games like this where it was just pouring the whole time. So uh, not a lot of takeaways uh, that that changed my opinion one way or the other going into the following week. Now that we've got the running game going, if Mac continues to uh, show like incremental improvements, like he's making some really good throws, he's showing some really good poise, he's getting out of uh, situations when he's under pressure, he seems to be taking care of the ball really well. Uh, I'm seeing like incremental positive strides for 
not only this team and for Jones, it kind of bothers me a little bit that we didn't give him like a true offensive coordinator from the start because I wonder where we might be now. I know there's the video going around of him slapping someone in the dick or something like that. I haven't seen the whole thing yet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I know he's building up a mild reputation for being a dirty player. Uh, I don't know if I'd quite go that far. Uh, you know, I'm sure these guys get pummeled all the time and, and a bunch of shit you see that's, that's off camera. But uh, anyway, the, the Jets are a disaster. I expected this to be a win. It was closer than I was. I thought it was going to be. I'll take these improvements as long as it continues to trend in the right direction. Um, we got to get Bourne a little bit more involved, I think. I, I don't know if we're there. They were covering him a little bit more now that teams know that he's their go-to guy. Did have some pretty big drops, though. Um Pharaoh Brown is a name I did not hear of until I just looked at the, the recap of this game. Uh, he had 71 yards on the day and two touchdowns in only two receptions. So I'm sure we'll see him get mixed in a little bit now. But uh, I know Bourne's their guy. Parker's their get out of jail free card. Hunter Henry got a little shaken up. So we'll see what he does. But all of those guys had some pretty good yards after the catch um, or found themselves in some pretty good spots to help provide relief for Jones when he was under pressure. So I like the way this team's going, starting to gel a little bit, and I'm hoping this is the the trajectory of this team as we go forward. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't necessarily hate on that. I thought that it was uh it was a slug fest that no one really liked watching there for a little bit, but uh ended up the way it needed to. I took my first L and the only L of this week, uh Colts Ravens. I, 10 times out of 10, I'm picking the Ravens. 10 times out of 10. Rookie quarterback, no Jonathan Taylor. But somehow, Lamar just... Uh, turnovers, there was... just It was just an ugly, ugly game. And then, I, I definitely think... I, I just got to say it from the jump, because I know there's some Ravens fans listening to this podcast. And I got to put a little plug in, because we're a podcast for the people. Uh, that was definitely pass interference or holding at the end. It definitely was. It just wasn't called. Um, and sometimes you think when you have the home team that you're going to get those calls. But, hey, it's the great thing about the NFL. They just move the referees around all over the place. And uh, they're graded. So I know that they are they think they're making the right call. Um, that being said, I thought it was a clear, <laughs> clear hold uh, and, and an impediment to making the catch. So I will, I will rush through this one because I'm just saying that, like, Lamar, come on, man. You got a new passing attack. Mark Andrews still not as involved in the passing game. Cannot understand it. I just cannot. Did everyone figure out the Ravens? Or do they just not have another gear to go to? That's where I'm at right now. And we're only four games into the season. I'm just sort of wondering, like, you signed the dude to a big extension. You gave him some weapons. You have a new passing coordinator. Why is it not working? Tonight and more on Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) Uh, I had Bucks eagles obviously... Uh, Why the fuck did you pick the Bucks in this game? I, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. It was a good question. I think I was uh, going a little bit too much on the the, the passion side on on this one because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought they were trending in a good direction. I thought Baker Mayfield. They were finding ways to put some good games together. Both of these teams came in uh, with two wins. I was like, all right. This is going to turn out to be a better slugfest than what I actually expected it to be. I thought it was going to be. I don't think 
Tampa has the same passing capabilities, both uh, from the receiving core and their quarterback that mm-hmm. uh, the Eagles do. I mean, Jalen Hurts is is and continues to play amazing football. Um, getting a little careless. I think there's some some questions. I mean, there's some concerns. Not my only concerns, uh, but he seems to be uh, taking a little more uncalculated risks, turning into uh, more turnovers than I would expect. I haven't looked to see what he had at this point last year, but uh, he's already got three interceptions on the year, and he's only got three touchdowns on the year. So that ratio is a little tough. Uh, All in all, it was... It was sloppy football on Tampa's side mixed with some uh, some stellar play by Hertz. Again, he ran for a touchdown. He had a throwing touchdown. Uh, he had uh, uh, 28 yards on the ground. So I know Baker likes to think he can still do some of that. He finished with two yards on the day. I thought, I think the key for Tampa to, to continue to try to make some of these strides is to find ways for Baker to help keep plays going with his legs. And this game, I mean, we didn't see it at all. He only had 146 yards. He had uh, 15 total completions. So not a lot of output from him. Um, Their running game is banged up and is still struggling. I think they had a combined total with Baker's two yards of 41 yards on the day. So you got to keep a team like the Eagles off the field in order to sustain any sort of leverage or momentum. If you're going four and outs consistently, uh, you're going to have a bad time. And that's, I mean, couple that with some some rough penalties and you're also going to have a rough time. They only converted three, I mean, sorry, they only converted five of their ten uh, three and outs, like just too many things that are just not going to stack up. They didn't go for it once on on fourth down either, which the league seems to be trending more and more towards going for it. You saw it all day Sunday. The Eagles tried it uh, three times and were successful on two of those. The Bucks said, "No, nah, this is nothing is nothing is working hmm. for us today." Didn't even try it. Their third down conversions, they were 5 of 10. They had four penalties for 20 yards. They had two turnovers on the day. All in all, it was just rough. They totally yardage for the day was 174 yards to the Eagles, like 472. So they got a lot to figure out. The passing game looks decent. Evans is starting to get more and more involved. Godwin is is starting to do more of the vintage Godwin Godin we saw from, from last week. but. Uh, I can't say that I was shocked that it happened that way, though. You know what I mean? Like, the game was close, then the game got out of hand. Sort of like Falcons-Lions. Now, look, I said last week when I was talking about this game, Tim, I said, if I got to trust a team to throw it, I'm trusting the, the Detroit Lions. Atlanta does not have a counterpunch. 20-6. to six. I wish it was 28-3. to three. Yes, I said it, Falcons fans. I wish it was 28-3. to There's no reason why the Falcons were in this game for as long as they were, other than the Lions like to play with their food. That's it. That's all I got for it. 
Nothing else makes sense because I don't understand how you're three all midway through the second. And then, boof, Detroit just drops another seven on you. Scoreless third quarter. One touchdown to really just kind of put the game away. Um, Jameer Gibbs got going quite a bit. Sam Laporta. I remember he was like this sleeper tight end, right? And I was like, oh, man, if I could get him in a draft, it would be good for my fantasy teams this year. Except the fantasy position uh, for tight ends is just a wasteland. It's Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle sometimes, Waller sometimes, rolling the dice. Sam Laporta seems to be like the number two receiving option on that team behind Amon Ross and Brown. It is very clear that Detroit was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run the ball, and we're going to throw it to the tight ends. So if by some stretch of the imagination, Tim, in your fantasy league or anyone else who's listening to this, their fantasy league still have Sam Laporta somehow available, go get him. If he's on a team already, make an attractive offer. This guy is going to be top three tight end by the end of the season. Fantasy purposes. Seriously. Like, he, he's just going to get so much involved. Uh, I just cannot believe that we're still buying what the Falcons are selling us. Because overall, it just ain't good. It's not been good for a minute. It won't continue to be good for a while. And I got a lot of questions about what this team is really going to do. Because I'm not sure. And there's a couple teams like this this year. The Falcons are not just one of them. Obviously, the Titans too. Because run game is not working for them right now. When you have that, that is such a big part of your game. And then it doesn't work. I just have a lot of questions about who you are as a football team and the way you're constructed. If when you can't run the ball, you just fall apart like a PB&J sandwich has been sitting in water overnight. You know what I mean? Metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man. Steelers and Raiders is... L. Yeah. One of the Raiders in general... And now with Jimmy G at the helm are one of the more frustrating teams to watch because I can't, I I can't understand how they continue to struggle over and 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 over. They, you would think Josh McDaniels, I don't think Josh McDaniels is the guy to lead any team. I've already said that. I've said that on previous podcasts. I'm reiterating it now. There was some terrible coaching situations that were pretty evident. Uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the players made some pretty brutal mistakes. Turnovers continue to be a problem, uh, and I don't know why you don't just run Garoppolo in like a hurry up offense all the time. When all the he time. is when he is game on the line two-minute drill or with like eight minutes left and they're playing from behind, that dude makes magic happen all the time. It's like if you give him too much time or if you try to get too cute with your game planning or your the, the plays you're calling, things are just elusive to him. And I don't understand what it is because it's he didn't have a bad day. He had 324 yards on the day. He had two touchdowns. But he had three interceptions. It's like every now and again, he just completely loses sight of what he's looking at and makes some pretty brutal mistakes, right? Like yeah. going up against a rookie like like Pickett, you shouldn't have 
three more interceptions than that guy does, right? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's brutal. He has five touchdowns on the season so far, and he has six interceptions. Right? Like, we, we, we just talked about that being a problem um, for Hurts and, and taking risks, but, dude, like, this, the guy has talent. When you put him under the gun, that talent becomes evident. So yeah. why not speed the game up and just play that way the entire time? He's clearly able to make good decisions when, well, I'll backtrack there because I don't know how much of the play calling is actually taking place by him when he's at the line of scrimmage, like on a, a throughout the course of a game. But when he's playing from behind and they give him a little freedom to go into that hurry up offense, he seems to do pretty incredible things so i don't know why that's not something you try to capitalize on maybe as you're doing these things but uh damn man like you have talent there uh josh jacobs he's starting to get more and more involved and starting to look like what you hoped he would be at the beginning of the season he finished with 62 yards uh Devontae Adams is out there stretching the field. He had 172 yards on the day. Kobe Myers got involved. He had 85 yards. So they're finding targets. They're finding ways to uh, keep drives going and extending drives. But the turnovers are just awful. Like this entire game was was lost by mistakes, not because they got outplayed. It was like in every facet of football, they outplayed the Steelers, but they kept giving him the ball back and continued to give them opportunities to try and get out and, and do more with him. Um, and it, like, this this isn't any takeaway against the Steelers. I'm not big on the Steelers this year either. I don't think the Steelers are an incredible team. I know they're two and they're two and one, and there's a lot of two one, but I don't get the warm and fuzzies by this team either. Kenny Pickett, he only had 16 attempts. Uh, he only had 16 completions on the day. I mean, he was pretty effective with some of those. Some of that was just defensive collapses on the Raiders' side. That was leaving guys wide open, um, giving easy throws. Nobody could uh, nobody could cover Adams. Adams just seemed to find open space everywhere. So uh, when you look at the, the, the box scores, it's going to look like... Uh, the, the Raiders ran all over these guys and just picked them apart, when in reality, like, it was just poor defense on the Steelers' side. They just happened to get three more turnovers than the than the Raiders did and managed to turn those into points. They converted points on the first three quarters. The only time the, the Raiders scored was their first touchdown in the first quarter, and then in the last bit of over and in, in the last bit of the fourth quarter, when Jimmy G was doing his Jimmy G thing, they happened to put up eleven points. So the whole thing was just—it's very frustrating to watch this team. I think, I think they have all the pieces to be a good team. They don't have the coaching to be a good team, and I think does this loss—I don't—I don't think this loss puts. McDaniel's on the hot seat, but I feel like that's that that seat warmers is plugged in and starting to warm up a little bit because can't have too many of these. Yeah, shout out to hashtag hug a heat. 
because that's what's uh, that's what's happening there. It's definitely making some some wrong choices there in Sin City. All right, uh, last game I'll recap here: Vikings, Chargers. I said, look, both these teams need to win, which means we're gonna have a great game, and it was a great game. You know how I know Tim? Because it was a Super Bowl Fifty score, and it ended on a pick. Okay, twenty-eight, twenty-four. Chargers. This is the big thing that this game starts off slugfest. Finally, Alexander Madison gets the run game going for the Vikings. And then in the third quarter, everyone just decides we're just going to go deep because the defense can't cover anyone. Uh, 49 yard touchdown, Keenan Allen to Mike Williams, trick play. 40 yard touchdown, Kirk, KJ Osborne. 52 yard touchdown to Justin Jefferson, who I was just. I mean, he's going to win like the Triple Crown. You know what I mean? Just like Cooper Cup did a couple years ago. He's going to get like a million freaking yards. And then Justin Herbert, third TD of the day, throws it to Josh Palmer for another 30-yard touchdown. It was a slugfest in the second half of the game. And if you watched it, you were just sort of like, how are these teams 0-2? Like, this is the type of football you were wishing to see from them the first couple weeks of the season. And now, I mean, thankfully, the Chargers have sort of righted the ship a little bit. But the Vikings, man, there's so much drama around that team right now. There's so much conversation about, should we deal Kirk? Is it over? Do we just need to blow the whole thing up because they're 0-3 and we're never going to make the playoffs and Super Bowl's out, blah, 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 blah. This is what happens when you don't show up prepared to play the game. Hashtag Oregon. Uh, Hashtag Coach Prime. Hashtag, hashtag. So... I will say I was happy that the Chargers won this game, not just for fantasy purposes. Austin Eckler did not play this game. Keenan Allen, nice resurgence season. You hope he stays healthy. Brandon Staley's had a lot of questions about if he's on the hot seat or not. This was a great game to turn some of that narrative around a little bit, or at least stop in the track. So I, I, I was pretty happy about that. But uh, all right, I won't gloat anymore. I got four total for the season thus far. You got three. It's still anybody's game, four-pack on the line, or a nice bottle of burbs. So we're going into this week. Tim, pick your first week four game and tell me who you got and why. Uh, I mean, I got to keep it going with New England, uh, Dallas, obviously, because that's going to be a pick. Uh, it's going to be a pick week in and week out. <clears throat> and you're obviously going Cowboys. I mean, it's, it's, it makes sense. I'm not. I, I don't know if I am. I don't know. Oh, if you I don't am. know. You don't know if you are. I don't. I don't know if I am because you got to see a little bit of vulnerability this weekend in uh, the Dallas Arizona game, and that is, I didn't see Arizona coming out and stopping the Cowboys. I neither. They did. Yep. Uh, That's why they picked the, to pick it as a game. You know what I mean? I didn't think it was worth it. What are you doing? You just picking like easy wins? What are you? What are you doing over there? So, you know, I, I usually fall apart by the end of the season. So I need I need to stack some dubs early, like like if at all possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um Yeah, I think I think what this ended up doing is you you, you got some tape on a team trying to figure out uh a team that seemed to be a favorite to Maybe win the whole thing. There's lots of conversations. Are are they most are they the most well rounded team in the NFL? Are they one of the better teams in the NFL? And then he come up and let a guy like uh, Joshua Dobbs, you know, no disrespect, put up an absolute gem of a game. He is a uh, rocket scientist. Yeah, 
Uh, it makes sense. And it he makes came sense. out and and he only threw one touchdown. Uh, he got 55 yards scrambling to keep plays alive. But uh, this team, this team handled business, and it made me. It made me kind of take a step back and say, okay, maybe we were just riding the Cowboys. Everybody makes the joke that the Cowboys are like destined for disappointment every season. Uh, so you knew that 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 high level of play was going to falter a little bit. You just weren't sure where along the the tracks it was going to kind of fall off a little bit. Uh, that's not to say they're not a great team. I still think they're a very good team. Um, Dak looked pretty well. He did throw an interception again, though. Um, Tony Pollard again is a complete machine out there running the ball. So, uh, the only reason I'm thinking New England on this one is because New England's defense, I think, is better than Arizona's defense for sure. Gonzalez has been able to come out in his first year and defend against some of the best wide receivers and, and, and receivers in general. Uh, against some of the most difficult teams. Um, he was able to hold both Hill and Waddle to the fewest yards against uh, a player in his position so far. Um, he went up against the Eagles. He held her own there. So the Patriots haven't been blown out by one of these, you know, I'm air quoting here, but one of these stellar teams. And I don't think that's going to, I don't think, I don't think that's going to change for this one. Um, Bill Belichick's great at taking out your best attribute, and at this point, it looks like uh, Tony Pollard is going to be that guy you have to try to limit. I know Gallup is out there putting up 50 to 100 yards every game as well. I'm not as concerned about the passing game going into this one, seeing as how well we just defended a team that put up 70 uh, against the Broncos. So... I think this one's going to be a close one. I think New England is trending in the right direction. We're going to start seeing some big wins out of this team, and I'm I'm feeling a little bit like this might be that weekend. If they can, can if they can do the same thing and hold Dallas to under 20 points, like you know, it's called 16 points, 18 points, something like that. Uh, I think they have a solid chance because the running game is getting going. He's making good decisions at quarterback. If that defense continues to be one of the better defenses in the league, I think we're going to start seeing some of these games that we would otherwise say, like, why, how, why would you think that? I think yeah. we may start to see him change. Um, and I think this might be one of those games. I could be totally wrong, and it turns out to blow out, but I'm not getting that feeling. The defense is just playing too well for it to be yeah. a blowout, so we just need Mac to make a couple plays. I don't think it would be a blowout. It would be interesting if Belichick was like, I'm going to take your best player away, Tony Pollard. So I dare you to throw it the entire time. That yeah. would really be like a like. Should the Cowboys win that game, that bolsters their spirit, right? Because look what I did against the Belichick defense. And if he doesn't, then it's like, oh shit! I guess the Patriots are not really dead. I guess they must really know what they're doing defensively. And then all of you fucking fanboys are just going to come back like a tidal wave. Oh, we're the best defense. Oh, give us a system quarterback. It's going to happen. Okay, right. Um, Vikings Panthers. Two teams, 0-3. Two teams desperate to rewrite the season. Andy Dalton wanted to prove that he could still be in this league. And Kirk Cousin 
going to have to play out of his goddamn mind again for another week. Because it's not Kirk at this, at this point. It's not. It's the defense. It's other things. Yes, the, the, the interception happened to end the game, but it was off a deflected pass. And as you've already said on this podcast, Tim, podcast for the people, deflected passes shouldn't count as INTs. And I watched that game, and I said, I understand why Tim says this now. I agree. It makes sense. Not Kirk's fault. Um, someone has to win this game. They, unless they tied, which would be absolutely astounding, and I would hate it. That being <laughs> said, the Vikings just went toe-to-toe with the Chargers. Burley lost. The Panthers went toe-to-toe with my Seahawks, and they kept it close until the Seahawks just said, listen, we've been letting you hang out here, okay? But you're really being annoying. So if you keep it up, we're going to smack you around. And that's what they did in the fourth quarter. I was very happy about that. If I had to look at the quality of those two opponents, I do think that the Chargers have a little more defensive prowess and offensive prowess right now than the Seahawks do. So I have to give what I think the reasonable range of expectations is to the Vikings winning this game. I think it's going to be close. I think it'd be like a 27-24, or 28-24 kind of game again, but someone has to win this game, and it needs to be the Vikings, or Kirk Cousins is not getting in the plane to go back to Minneapolis. They're going to say, hey, Kirk, we talked to Robert Sala. You're going to the Big Apple, which I would be happy with, to be honest. I would love it from a football perspective to have a quarterback room where Kirk Cousins, who believes in the Bible, and Aaron Rodgers, who believes in ayahuasca, and Zach Wilson, who believes in American Pie and following the script and Stifler's mom right to the end, okay? I would love to see that quarterback room. That would be an excellent season, in-season hard knocks, okay? So, Vikings, you lose this game. Kirk is not going home with you. He's going to New York, okay? So you got to <laughs> win this game. That's why I'm picking Vikings. I think, I think, I think they're all right. I don't think he's going anywhere because I think they just signed, didn't they just sign Trevor Simeon? Yeah, but I mean, really? Yeah. Really, um, dude? All right, I'm gonna try and speed up the last the, the last two. I saw, I saw you were you were contemplating Dolphins Bills, but since you're not picking them, uh, I'll grab them for this next game. I knew um, you was gonna do that. I knew it. Yeah, only because I think this is one that everyone kind of had circled on the schedule at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna play out the way we're hoping it plays out though in real time. I know they just came off a big win in Washington, um, but. It wasn't a stellar performance by Josh Allen. He had another interception, which, you know, is exactly what we talked about on the last podcast is, and I'm not the only one, uh, yeah. ball security is a big thing for him. Um, he's got four turnovers on the season, the five touchdowns. So it's not like he's just a ball turnover machine, but it is something that he, he tends to do and runs the risk of doing in major moments. Um, but I feel like against a team like the like the Commanders, this should have been one that they won soundly. And I know thirty seven to three looks like that, but that's mostly on the back of the defensive play because Sam Howell threw four interceptions on the day. So Yeah. Um I, I couldn't Gibson, believe it. I couldn't believe he was still in the game after interception number three. Yeah. He threw throw the towel. Throw the damn towel. Antonio Gibson lost the fumble, so while Allen gave one away, they were still up four turnovers. So this one should have been something that really got away from from the uh, from the Commanders like later on. And and I know thirty seven to three is a big one, but I think we have a new benchmark now with that Dolphins game. Um, I think this is going to be one where. Um, 
I mean, I think the Dolphins are going to win this game because they seems they seem to be the more unstoppable team uh, of the season, right? I'm not I'm not taking the big blowout score as sort of the the meet all end all. I just think collectively the weapons they have are too much for a lot of teams. They're what Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were, you know, two years ago, you know, as far back as as four years ago. They just had too many weapons all over the field. There was just so much going on. It was hard to, to defend against all of them. That is really what the Dolphins are now, except I think the Dolphins have faster players in those positions, right? I mean, so you fast. have Hill, right? Like, that's yeah. it's the one-to-one comparison. So, Hill's there now. Waddle, which was a tough loss. Waddle being there, he's incredibly, incredibly fast. So, I think this is, I think this is one of those that's, that runs the risk of getting mildly sloppy um, if Josh Allen starts to take risks, right? Like, this isn't this isn't one of those where, uh, like, Tua had to throw up gaudy numbers to, to achieve what they did. I think that was just more representative of how bad Denver is collectively, which is, you know, something for another podcast. I think Wilson needs to... I think oh, he yeah. gets benched. I think he gets benched next for the week. next three games. Yeah. No. No. Who are they gonna go to? They can't. Trevor Simmons on the Jets. Who are they gonna go to? Drew Locks on the Seahawks. They can't go. Who, no, they can't. who knows? But they need to do something to show that team that they actually give a shit. Because I'm, I'm sure that locker room is a disaster right now. Um, which is tough because Russ isn't playing like the worst football ever. He just can't get it done. Like he had 300 yards, only one touchdown. Um. Tua had 309 yards and had four touchdowns. So there's a difference in, in closing out games. It's also the first game that I can remember in, in a long time where Russ finished with zero yards on the ground. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Well, no, so I, think the, had, I think that was like just slowing down. No, he had, he had 56 yards. Come on now. I, I'm a hater. Russ? But... Russ did not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. Nope. I'm, I'm literally looking at it right now. In my head, Russ had 50 yards. <laughs> yeah. According to uh, shout out Pro Football Reference, we can't get through this podcast without you. Uh, he had <laughs> zero attempts. Now this, I mean, this could be inaccurate, but he has zero attempts, zero yards, nothing. So not a great look. So I think this one anyway. The the Buffalo Miami game. Uh, I fully expect this to be uh, Miami win. Um, I don't expect it to be close, and I think it continues that conversation as to whether or not the Bills are as good as we thought the Bills were going to be coming into this season, depending on how bad this gets. Uh, I think I'm going to call it now. Um, I think Allen's going to get a little flustered. He's going to try and push the ball down. I think he's going to take a lot of risks. He's going to end up with at least two turnovers on the day, if not three. Can we, can we be serious about something? Yeah. Is it Dolphins... Super Bowl birth, realistic? Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You like remember uh, Jalen Ramsey not playing on the team right now, right? Yep. Okay, he got that arthroscopic knee surgery. Like he's on the sidelines. They have a they have a stable of running backs, but they've th- those running backs are always, always almost always get snake bit. It's sort of like how Philadelphia has like five running backs in their rosters that are like RB one, RB two. You know, like mm-hmm. anyone could start for them, right? Like. We really think that this isn't a, a, a flash in the pan. We think Mike McDaniel has it figured out and that Miami might fuck around and bring home a Lombardi. Yeah, 100%. I think, uh, I think this is one where the game is just coming to them 
uh, and they have the pro- the makeup of a team that is just primed for long term success. Uh, I think they the chemistry between uh, Waddle. It, so I'll, I will say this: it hinges on the the health of Tua. If Tua goes out again, I mean, you can't go out too many times with a concussion before you just should just True. call it in. And yeah. I was saying last year. Maybe it's time to hang it up because you're playing with fire every time going forward. So yeah. all of this hinges on Tua being healthy for the entire season. But I think given the makeup of this team, what they look like, I mean, they're they're making their catches. They're, the yards after the catch is uh, astronomical. Um, it's There's not a lot I can pick apart in this team. And so far, the only team that's really stood up and, and made any sort of opportunity to to beat them has been New England so far. Yep. And New England came down to, like, a player that maybe should have helped them extend that game a little bit, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we didn't mm-hmm. get the, the benefit of that call. So it's, True. like, that's that's one team, and it's one of the, the best defensive-minded teams that plays them twice a year and tends to have their numbers, so you got to take that one with a grain of salt. But that is the only team that has really put up any any type of challenge. Um, otherwise, I haven't seen it. I mean, they could have really blown up the score in the in the game even more, but out of respect, uh, Coach McDan- I mean, he just took a knee instead of going for, uh, instead of going for the record. So, Mike McDaniel's stand-up dude, but this this team is just poised for if everyone can stay healthy, uh, they go deep no matter what. We're not we're yeah. not even talking wild card. They're, they're, they 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 are in they are in a conference championship if not in the Super Bowl for sure. Oh, dude, that means like a a Chiefs Chiefs Dolphins conference game would be insane, insane. Yeah. I would yep. I would love to see it though. Uh, okay, since you took that game, I'm going to take uh, Browns Ravens. Look, if you'd asked me at the beginning of the season, I would say, motherfuck the Browns because of the Sean Watson situation. Hate them. Okay? Here we are, three games of the season. They're 2-1. and one. Why? Jim Swartz's defense for the Cleveland Browns. Stand up. Miles Garrett, absolute monster. Defensive player of the year candidate. They cannot be run on. They absolutely destroyed the Titans last week. Derrick Henry, you heard of him? Yeah, he didn't do a shit today. In the as the Yahoo Sports article uh, for Vert says, in the wake of the Nick Chubb injury, this is not the team we were expecting to see, right? Amari Cooper, fantasy relevant again. Deshaun having mostly clean days from the pocket and mostly clean football games. Uh, if there wasn't all the stuff behind this behind the scenes or off the field, like I'd be happy for the Browns. And truth be told, wink. I will be happy for long-term Browns fans who have dealt with nothing but shit season after shit season. On its face, I can't necessarily agree with it, right? I, I still don't like what they what they just bluffed their way into Deshaun Watson. I, I, I'm not a fan of that still. I won't be, but you cannot take away the production that they got, okay? From four verts, Tim, get some of these stats, okay? They're first in opposing yards per play, 3.2. First in total first downs allowed, 21. First in net yards per pass attempt, three and a half. And seventh in sacks percentage at almost 10%. 10% of the time, they're getting a sack in the game. I 
It doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. Two plus two is equaling six right now with these Cleveland Browns. But I'm I'm happy for the fact that the defense and Jim Schwartz, who was a head coach for you know for the Lions earlier in his career, I'm happy that they're at the point now where they're putting together competent football. I don't like all the things around it, right? But I'm still happy to see that those Ohio fans, I'm sure they're very, very happy that they're brownies, their little acorn mascot is out there killing it. So <laughs> I, in this game, I got to go Ravens here because if the Ravens don't win, it's bad. Bad news bears. Uh, all right, I'm going to do, uh, I'm gonna do a, a little quick one. Uh, I'm going to do Broncos, Bears. I want to do Battle of the Bads. They're both, uh, they're both 0-3. Uh, you had high hopes for at least the Bears coming into the season. You thought with Justin Fields, maybe they had an opportunity to kind of turn this thing around. They've showed a couple little flashes in the pan here or there, but ultimately, it's not looking great at all. Um, if you look at their their stat sheet, and Justin Fields is their leading rusher right now with a total of 109 yards in one touchdown, that's a problem. That is a massive problem that uh, you're not going to fix. Uh, you're not going to fix during the season. Uh, I know they got some some banged up players. They're just they're missing one of their tight ends. There's a safety that's out. One of their off offensive linemen's out. They got a cornerback out. Uh, so they they are definitely uh, dealing with the injury bug uh, in Chicago. Uh, I don't know if like Mercedes Lewis is going to be what's winning your games, and I don't think Nate Davis is the player who's going to like turn around the protection on your offensive line. Uh, I think this is just. I think these teams are just bad teams. Uh, I won't shy away from my dislike of Russell Williams and the Bro- Russell Williams. Uh- <laughs> Russell Williams. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, I, I worked literally 24 hours yesterday, so yeah, I am good. dragging ass right now. Uh, Russell Wilson, I have, I, I have not shied away from any... Mr. Unlimited. Yeah. Um, Unlimited picks. Yeah, so this is... Uh, I actually think the Broncos are going to squeak this one out only because Russ hasn't been playing as bad in in, in terms of overall output and, and touchdowns and whatnot. His, he's been okay. Not great, uh, but I think he's definitely better than Justin Fields currently. Yeah. It's just yeah, whether whose defense is going to shit the bed the most. So I'm going to go Broncos in this one, <laughs> get their first win. I'd like to watch the Bears continue to uh, Bears. decline into uh, insanity. Oh, yeah, mediocrity for sure. And if anybody who got talked into drafting Justin Fields, like, Right after Patrick Mahomes went off the board of fantasy, like you get exactly what you paid for. You do. I'm sorry. Uh, I will wrap up this week of picks for Seahawks Giants. I'm going to the Meadowlands. Never been there before. Chelsea and I have six wedding anniversaries this weekend. Gonna go see the Monday night football game. Very, very, very excited about it. Very excited about it. Uh, it won't be as exciting as I guess uh, Chiefs Jets when you know Taylor Swift is gonna come in to go see her second NFL game. Uh, which we can talk about at another time. But uh, Seahawks, 30-plus points, back-to-back games, very important. The Giants, you know, on paper, started super slow. So like this is the first version of like a trap game at this point in the season. So 
I could definitely see the Seahawks falling flat on their faces uh, and losing by like three points. But I'm in the stadium, so I hope it doesn't happen. So I'm going to go Seahawks here, take my Homer, Homer Simpson attitude. Like, go Hawks. Let's go. <laughs> uh, you think, I saw a little sideline preview of Geno Smith hyping up his guys. Pretty much oh, baseball. love it. Love yeah. it. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jake Bobo, two opposite sides of the wide receiver spectrum. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ohio State, pedigree, drafted super high. Jake Bobo, not drafted super high. R- reported to have like a 4.9, you know, 40 score. Okay. Yet, Bobo gets open. He has football speed. It's going to work out. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to find his way. But, I mean, the people are ahead of him are Tyler Lockett and DeKill and Metcalf. It's very difficult to be the number three in that room. You know what I mean? Jake Bobo's like, listen, you need me on the post? I'm there. You need me to just juke this guy out of his socks? All right. Is the ball coming to me? No? Cool. He just seems like a guy that is like, I don't. how do I say this? Remember Malcolm Mitchell? Yeah. Or who was the lacrosse player that you guys turned out? Oh, I, I can't remember Hogan? his name. Yes. A guy that is completely unselfish comes into the locker room and says, I'm going to get two targets a game. Absolutely. Cool. My parents are up there in the stands. They're going to cry every time they see me catch the football. I'm all about it. This is me living out my dream. Two catches, 56 yards, a touchdown. They're going to be happy about it. Jake Bobo seems like that guy. He doesn't seem like a guy who is going to do anything less than get taken care of by the Seahawks in a couple of years and they sign him to a multi-year extension for like market value, you know? Give him like a four-year deal worth like you know sixteen point five million or something like that. That's what's going to happen. Jake Bobo seems to be like the kind of guy who wants to play football in the same way that George Kittle is like a guy that wants to like just smash people around and like wrestle, not really play tight end. Jake Bobo seems like that guy for the Seahawks. So Jackson Smith and Jibba is going to get the targets. He's going to get open. It's going to fall into place. Seattle has always fallen apart historically when there's not another guy behind the other guy who can make catches on third down right so I, i'm very happy to see where they're going here i hope it's going to work but yeah gino's had a nice little glow up this season really appreciative yeah. of it i hope i run into him this weekend in new york city you know i hope he's just like out walking around because you know new yorkers they don't really care about anyone but joe namath and uh yeah aaron Rodgers. so all right uh before i let you wrap this up with your flowers for rapino I'm going to let you take the stage for that one. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say, I can't wait to see the the fallout of all of this where you guys just totally got played by Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And that they know <laughs> all they're doing is getting you riled up because it's boosting all of the sales mm-hmm, for Kelsey mm-hmm. and tickets and everything. And they're just yeah. fucking trolling everybody because you can't take the most private woman in, in history when it comes to who she's dating and give her the loud mouth that is Travis Kelsey and think that that's exactly how that's going to go. It does make sense, though. On, it, on its head, it makes sense. No, it, makes it sense. doesn't. Not historically, she dates all these like European-built like pop singers. <laughs> and then trans- I mean, maybe she needs a, ch- a change of pace. She did seem all in the game. I cannot fucking stand how much coverage this is getting. I, first of all, I work in a media company. I understand why it's getting it. I get it. <laughs> I can't stand it though. Like I don't need clips of the booth every fucking five seconds to see her yelling at the glass. Like I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. 
I really, really don't give a shit. The last thing I need is any more bandwagon KC fans, which is exactly what happened. Sales were up like 400% across the board or something. You know, I, I've been watching enough seasons of Suits to make me think that this is like collusion or fraud, right? To, uh-huh. to actually, it's 100%. I, I, hate, I hate that I'm saying Taylor. that, right? But, it, but like, let's, let's just think about it. Like, oh, uh, hey, my jersey sales are down. Hey, Taylor, you want to like, come to a couple games? You know what I mean? I would. I don't think Travis would actually do that. I don't think but, like, it got. I don't think it got to that level, but it was one hundred percent. Like, he the conversation about him and Taylor threw it. Oh, I met her once, stadium, blah blah blah. And they started. <laughs> they probably started texting. <laughs> I was like, hey, watch this. Look what happens if I show up to your game. And like now at this point, they're just, I mean, maybe they end up together as a byproduct of all this, but there's a hundred percent people getting trolled and it's a, like a plutonic relationship. They're not going to be dating at the end of all of this and everybody who's followed it and bought into it. Nah. Anyway. Yeah. Take us out. Take us out. All right. We like to give flowers here in the podcast. This is one I know that uh, Tim won't shit on the next week. No. We don't have to gloat about it. Okay. Uh, Mega Rapino. Born July 5th, 1985, according to her Wikipedia page, American professional soccer player, finished out her career for the OL Reign, National Women's Soccer League. She's a winner of the Blonde Or Feminine, and she was the best FIFA women's player in 2019. She won gold 2012 Summer Olympics, 2015 FIFA Women's World Cup, 2019 World Cup, and she played in the 2011 World Cup, where she finished second. She's part of one of the greatest women's football teams that's ever been concocted ever and i say that back on my bullshit stand on the desk the the women's national team did a lot for the sport of football soccer as it would be okay but did a lot for young women and in this country and in many countries that we're not going to see for years for for years from now okay she decided to support kaepernick and put a different face that couldn't just be written off from a racial standpoint during the uh, anthem protest. She went toe-to-toe with a fucking sitting president on Twitter, okay? And she and the other players decided equal pay is what needs to happen. And we're going to do whatever we can do to make that a thing. Outside of any of the stuff that she does, being part of incredible teams on the world stage, dominating for the better part of a decade, if you just take a look at Megan Anna Rapinoe's Career off the pitch, incredible woman. If you take a look at what she did on the pitch, how she's a, an ally for the LGBTQ community, how she's so not afraid to say what she wants and deal with the consequences, we may not see another soccer player like her. In men's soccer, you say it all the time, right? There's always men that are trying to be more forward and braggadocio but Megan did that she did that and she was not afraid of the smoke that came with it as the kids say and we may not see someone else like her with the same amount of pizzazz the same amount of skill and even if you want to say oh well she was part of a team that lost to this team or you know she went out and didn't make this PK when you take a look at people's entire careers in a sport what makes transcendent players the way they are, is what they do when no one's looking. And Megan, for me, is always going to be one of those people that is going to be up there with the Mia Hams and the Carly Lloyds of the world. She has made soccer for women a global sport. She's put them on the map because of U.S. dominance. You cannot overlook that. 
Flowers to you, Megan Rapino. I appreciate what you did. Enjoy your retirement. And uh, yeah, that'll be that. Amen, brother. That will do it for this episode of Stats and Murder Podcast. <sighs> Tim, I'm so glad you got to go to about uh, Colorado laying a motherfucking egg on the road. Um, we'll talk about Russell Wilson next time. Hopefully there's a win, but if not, we'll have plenty to talk about, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And let's let's get back into getting some Joe fan, Jane fan segments in here. We're going to be sliding in some DMs. We're going to get some guests here on this podcast. So stay, stay true, stay faithful, listeners. What the fuck did I even just say? I have no idea. Can you edit that out? That was terrible, Tim. We'll let's, see what let's, happens. Let's, let's end the show. Peace. All right, peace. <laughs> Thank you.